Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. On this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Vinnie Newberg, an editorial illustrator, art director, and musician. Enjoy. Can you hear me? Absolutely. How's my audio quality? It's actually great. Excellent. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm well. Are you still in Brooklyn? I'm I'm in Bed-Stuy, yeah. And you've been there for how long now? Um, here for like 5 years. I moved to Brooklyn in 2015 probably. And where are you from originally? Just from Westchester. So like 40 minutes north from West Grand Central. Chester. That's New York? Yeah, yeah. Like a, the county right above the Bronx. Is this like suburban or, or urban upbringing? Highly suburban. The most yeah. suburban. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'm from suburban New Jersey. I had totally forgotten you made music. That's no insult. I actually like it. I just don't associate you first and foremost with your music. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't. Do you associate yourself with your music first and foremost? Uh, they're, they're two pillars, but it's hard for me to present that as the main thing. Yeah, yeah. How many pillars you got? Two? Um creative pillars yeah yeah two feels right as a child were you leaning towards one or the other in terms of music or art um probably art was the early like thing that i had a knack for always and like a affinity for yeah you were always from a young age drawing yeah which is like common I think it, when talking to illustrators, it's very common. Right. I think when you talk to, um, you know, I can think of some examples where someone like started to be interested in art more conceptually in high school and they don't have what I call like the drawers hang up, which is this need to prove certain things, I think. And, and also they're not as entangled with that youth validation when they were like little and drawing on a piece of paper so they're they're open to exploring very different avenues you know like sculpture or film or something right but i do i do find that interesting the how how persistent that can be you know for me like i realized drawing wasn't i went to school for illustration as well but only because i didn't really know what it was in some ways I think I really didn't either. I, I it makes me laugh, like thinking about. I applied to college as an illust- like for the illustration department, and I can't imagine I knew what I was getting into. Well, what did you think? Because I thought I was going to be doing, like, book illustrations, like um, like Alice in Wonderland, the illustrations in the book when I was little, 
I always liked that. And I like that idea as someone who would just read books and then draw images. That's cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that, I mean, that's largely not what it is, you know, ultimately the brief, people. Yeah. The brief career I had doing that, that actually was what it ended up being just because the art directors were looking at my comic book. So it was natural that they would think I should be doing that. Um, but what did you think illustration was? Cause it's really not, even you tell people you went to school for it and they don't even know what, what that means. I think in high school I was fixated on like the animation industry hmm. and probably by the time I was applying to college, it was like Pixar hmm. funnily. Um, but I had tried some, I had like taken a class in, in Maya, like the 3d rendering mm-hmm. and I was getting a sense that like, Oh, like I don't want to be an animator. I had done animation as a kid, but like maybe being an animator isn't very glamorous or like the thing that I like about making art. I relate to that as well. And in, in the sense of, I used to do these Lego stop motion movies and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I also bought like a pegboard. Is that what it's called? that little like thing that locks the, the paper in for, for traditional. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had all this paper and I made like two drawings and then something in my brain. And it's not a good thing. Probably is just not that, uh, focused in the sense of, I think I need a quicker gratification than animation can offer me. Totally. And uh, also just the compensation for the amount of work is just ludicrous. But I feel the same way about comics now. It's like I don't have the focus to finish a comic. Yeah, is- yeah. I relate so to that as well. It's, it's the problem of making a drawing that takes three hours and getting paid $500. Once you break through that dam, making a comic that takes three years and getting paid $500 is, is tough. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's like, it's the, um, it's just the amount of work and like the, it, it feels like important, a comic in a way that I find difficult to even start sometimes. That's an interesting way to put it. Like it's too important. Yeah. Or I don't know. You mean like the weight of the thing because it's so invested because so much it's so heavy i'm not sure i feel when i'm making a comic that i think it's important but i do know what you mean but <laughs> not like my work is important but like it's significant oh yeah the commitment it's marriage essentially yeah. i've never whereas illustration is just is casual dating <laughs> at the <laughs> rampant you know it's like there's no commitment from the employer or yourself typically um yeah but I'm sure you've worked with at this point, you probably have your art directors that are your go-to and vice versa. Yeah. There are a few I've worked with like a bunch over the years, which is cool. What do you think makes a good art director? Hmm. I think clear communication. Hmm. That's sort of like the name of the game. I think in our, in the whole on both sides, um and then 
I don't know. There's like, there's like a level of flexibility you need to have and like being able to like adapt to a situation. As the art director or the illustrator? As the art director. Yeah. I don't know. I think like when I think about it, you like come into the situation with like someone in mind, maybe for a topic and maybe you are bringing some idea of what they'll they'll do but inevitably they're going to bring their own thing to it and yeah you know you can't control it that much i think the art director has to like have created space for the thing to be whatever it is and then like allow the artist to like do to they flourish, <laughs> flourish. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's about there's two things that have to happen. I, I imagine. I mean, I do art direction in different ways, but choose the right person and then trust them, and that's about it. But so often, I've had jobs where they're like, "Can you?" They literally send me an image. Well, this is a Russian job, but Russian Esquire from wow, like a, wow. a decade ago, and uh, they sent me an image of an illustrator whose work I knew, <laughs> and they were. Clearly, they couldn't get them at the price point they wanted. And we're like, can you just do this article yeah. like this person? And then it's the only job I never had used because I just ignored their visual prompt and was relying on the fact that we don't we didn't speak the same language, <laughs> which was why they were my favorite art directors, because they couldn't micromanage anything because so we funny. could we could barely talk. Um, yeah, micromanage is probably like the key word for bad art directors i've i've worked with it's like yeah yeah totally honing in on like tiny details which is like dude this doesn't matter just let me yeah isn't that funny to talk about like (laughs) it's weird to talk about how the little details don't matter they clearly do in the in the whole and like as an artist you really care when you're working on the thing but changing like one little thing's color in another sense really doesn't matter for the person who's reading it. Uh, that apathy towards the end is interesting where you have to kind of shut down all the kind of iterations you could possibly do. I tried, I like when I act direct, I'm always trying to remind myself. It's like, it doesn't matter. Hopefully like everyone is as like happy with this as they can be. And like, I don't want, the illustrator be bummed out and like, I don't want the editors to be bummed out. Oh, I didn't uh, realize you are directed. Oh yeah. Pretty much as long as I've been an illustrator, I've also art directed. Really? Mm-hmm. Are you a good art director? <laughs> um, Based on the metrics you just laid down. Yeah. I mean, like I have an idea of what a good art director is and I try to live up to that. I mean, I would imagine as an illustrator, you should be the double whammy. It's definitely, I feel nice that I can like bring that perspective for sure. And it's like, I know when I'm asking you for an edit, like one, how much of a pain in the ass it is or like. Yeah, totally. That sort of thing. You have a, um, an actual empathy because <laughs> right. you've you're actually done <laughs> yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had no idea. So you're a multifaceted uh, individual. Mm. Yep. 
The music is good too. You know, I'm impressed by the music. Thanks, man. And the um, you clearly love the Beatles. Yeah, that's like which it's embarrassing now, but it's like <laughs> it's become it hasn't waned at all. Like I discovered the Beatles in second grade, and it's just been like there the whole time. Well, yeah, I have a different relationship. I don't think I I know what you mean by it's embarrassing, but it's also the opposite of embarrassing um it's not like like nickelback or something is your north star well no so there's the embarrassing yeah, there's, part is like how how much everyone likes them for me yeah but if you like do you know at, at this point how many people around you really listen to the beatles yeah i don't know not like me i've, I've like turned some people on to like some of my friends some of the solo paul mccartney Oh yeah, that's some weird stuff. Because there's like, they all made a lot of music afterwards, but yeah, not too many people, not too many young people. <laughs> so you heard that in second grade, and you've loved it. So like, I really got into it in high school, and mm. then I just completely burnt myself out. I was listening to Rubber Soul like a week ago, and. Man, some of those songs just piss me off for some reason, but I do really like that album. I have these like really particular, like back in the USSR, I hate, and yeah. Baby You Can Drive My Car, I hate. Um, I don't you, know what that can means. Can you talk about that more? I'm so curious. <laughs> huh. Why do I... Those are probably Paul songs, right? Those are I both Paul songs. Very Paulish. Uh... I think I have a problem at times with Paul, though I deeply respect him. Yeah. And sort of like, well, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you, you can't dislike him in some sense. Uh, it's interesting for me to, to think about what it is about those songs and their nature that, that throw me off. Um, I was listening to a podcast about rubber soul yesterday. Mm -hmm. And one of the hosts was saying how he hated the song Michelle. Really? And he was talking about like when you're making music, like you can either be writing about something truthful that like happened to yourself or maybe like projecting outwards onto some like something you're observing. Mm -hmm. And Michelle like is neither of those. It's just fake, like phony and like put on. But to me, like that was, and like I think that a lot of, particularly in like the John versus Paul paradigm i think people take issue with paul because he's not like coming from a personal truth or like i hear the word rawness a lot when they talk about them like he's raw no like like john lennon's raw like talking about like airing his hmm. his personal yeah it's funny because life. in a sense maybe john is the phonier of the two um, considering who they really are and like what they were trying to put on, I could find a song like Imagine to be far more <laughs> cringy than any of that. Totally. But what I mean, I think what's interesting is their endless fixation that is could be put on to them. Like, I don't subscribe to this idea that you could take any band and pump them full of money and market them right, and they would be mag like massive you know like they would be cold play 
Right. Um, like I, I have to have the humility to say like Nickelback clearly has something. Uh, I can't be so uh, pretentious about what like a huge swath of human population likes. Like there's clearly something. It's not that easy so to make. So much of it is like timing too, I think. It's like that person at that moment tapped into something. Yeah. Was desired or like connecting. Yeah, they're natural. It's hard to know how calculating the Beatles might be, but I will say that like as an artist, you can kind of be born in the wrong time period or you can be the opposite, born in the exact perfect time period where what you feel needs to be expressed and your society and the technology, et cetera, are all aligned. And I don't say that to diminish what the Beatles accomplished because you clearly have to be on another level to be them. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't believe in that accidental component completely. I mean, um, there's like certainly serendipity to any, anything like that, but yeah, like there's no doubt they were like arrived at an incredible moment, like in culture. And then, yeah, I guess like the fact that you who are not in that culture, technically, I mean, you are and you aren't, but you aren't in the time period and it still moves you that much. Uh, that's, pretty insane <laughs> yeah it's strange i mean it's like mythology you know it's they are a mythological band but there's no other is there another band where every member matters it's pretty rare i mean i know ringo doesn't but he does um yeah like that i don't yeah, i mean so. probably what do you think i'm trying to think about like rap groups or that's true that would be the closest thing where people kind of branch off and do like their own tribe. Thing. Tribe would yeah. be good. Now, now I'm just fo focused on the Beatles because it's it. a, it's such a, I don't know. It's, I remember I was trying to dress like the Beatles, also the strokes at the same time, which wow, there's some yeah. weird intersection. Um, that seemed you know. like the closest in terms of like rock an iconic group that like was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think of that dude, Nikolai, I mean, they're just a far diminished version. Like Julian Casablancas is great, I think, but well, they weren't uh, like innovating. It was just sort of like yeah, making something cool again, or like in a new way. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. That's so commonplace now that I don't even know if it's a critique. Like, no, I love the Strokes. That you know what you know what happens is they were reviving something and then when they started innovating they were completely unacceptable that's kind of how i feel about their career trajectory like i think julian casablancas has made really interesting work outside of them and within them but it's not what people wanted at that right i think that's i think that's the key thing it's like their their initial like offering was so pure and so like one thing that as soon as they deviated people were like what <laughs> this is yeah 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 this is unacceptable. So then they yeah. put out these albums that are like weird, but then they'd give you like one stroke song with it as a single, uh, just to be like <laughs> as an apology for, for trying to do something. And also different. like, despite all of that, there's still like a huge, like they have, that hasn't diminished their legendary status now. No, but they are another band that like, I don't know if it's cool to like them you know mm. beatles included like you should like the you should revere the beach boys if you want to be 
that's my that's my other top 60s okay. for sure all right do and you, you like can hear that ones? i do but it would be a lie to say that like in practice they're as important to me as the beatles were do you um, make music michael i played the bass in eight <laughs> in eighth grade nice um, <laughs> I have the propensity to do, well, I'm a generalist, you know, like, yeah. And, you know, I grapple with that all the time. I think at this age, I'm just like, okay, that's what I am. I'm not going to sit down at a desk and draw the same graphic novel for 25 years or something. I'm going to try to find synergies. And I found that music for me, was more about having a certain identity in high school and it wasn't a pure connection or love. I like the bass. I like staccato. Like I, even the way I draw is like clear, bold staccato things is what I like in music as well. Mm. But um, ultimately it's just, I couldn't find a way to integrate it. I used to make funny songs for my friend secretly, before, like when he would leave. <laughs> And that was the most fun I ever had make, making music was just yeah. like making songs that were funny for a specific person. And um, I value that, but ultimately I just, I'm always gravitating towards musicians or artists, but I don't think at this stage in my life, like art is bringing much to the, or sorry, music would bring much to the table in respect to what I'm doing. Right. But I've had music venues and I, I do now as well. It's just like, I, uh, it, it forms your identity a lot more than art music, I think. And, uh, cause like in high school, you could be like, oh, you're lame. Cause you like whatever the Beatles. And I like, uh, this band you never heard of, but who would say that about like a painter? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, so <laughs> nobody would care at all. But what is the dietary, um, what's the food pyramid in respect to music and art? Cause it's not like, I mean, you have a decent amount of music. I, yeah. I've been, I've been making music since like 2009 when I got to college. Um, dietary, like what I'm taking in. Well, that's one way. To, yeah. That's a better way to think. I always think about like good consumption and good production versus just like, you know, kind of, um, chaotic consumption whatever's on or whatever's cool at the moment but yeah what do you i was more thinking about are you know is it 80 20 80 of the creative time is making the visual art 20 percent is kind of the release with the the mm -hmm. musical oh gosh that's or hard. is it not so cut and dry are there just big runs of making music and then it falls off I feel like lately I'm not making as much art hmm. in a weird way. Um, Do you make art outside of illustration or has it become too, like I completely relate to the idea that there's sometimes the expression, the self-expression falls away when you have adult life to handle illustration, yeah. et cetera. Um, I love drawing still and I try to draw a lot. But I don't always know like what I want to be making with that or like what a product, for lack of a better word, is. The containment of the, the self-expression. Yeah. And like for a while, I think I think Neve was talking about something similar to this, but like 
I've been feeling for a while, like, oh, like, what's my like significant work that I'm going to start making now? <laughs> like, I made a, I made these zines or like I've done these illustrations, but like, is there something I'm going to like invest myself into? And like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So like, music feels easier to, for some reason, like an album is much more approachable. Yeah, I mean, I always use the analogy that as an illustrator going to school and then doing editorial, et cetera, you certainly develop sprinter muscles, but you don't develop long distance runner muscles. And yeah. there comes a day where you yearn for that. For me, it was like, I need longer format comics because I always felt like the one page comic was just like an extension of that illustration practice where you like figure out how to make a good image in three hours, which is incredibly valuable and difficult shouldn't be diminished but in the same sense you get swept away by just the kind of um demands of the profession where it's you're not accumulating anything that speaks to you you're you're just working on client work one little piece at a time i think there's also like some conditioning to like external motivation which makes it you know after years of like having deadlines being imposed it's really hard to like focus up on my own yeah yeah, yeah. impose urgency on myself right you know what i've always found is if you have if you find friends and you try to build in accountability and you're like oh we need to send each other a drawing every day yeah i've heard about this thing sort of thing it's got it that's the best thing i've, I've never found. experienced that i mean you could do it I'm sure you have many illustration friends. Yeah. And uh, even if they don't send it back, you know, it's just like eyes on the work. Um, it's It creates a different motivation. And I think what's hard is social media is also designed for pretty quick gratification. Yeah. It's and there's something kind of fun and uh, dark about like building up this project in the, in the shadows. Um, that nobody knows about. And then I've, never, boom, it I've never been able to lurk in the shadows in that way. <laughs> I, and now I'm, I'm totally conditioned. Like anytime I make something, it's like, when can I, when can I release it? When can I show it off? I think it's natural that if your work is coming from editorial, there's this assumption. If you, if the art directors aren't seeing you put shit out every week, then you just fell off and disappeared. So there's like this need to be seen because you're always courting these art directors. Yeah. There's something to that. It's speed dating <clears throat> essentially. And it's not until you find a more stable thing that I think you can lurk a little more. Um, but do you imagine, imagine being an illustrator forever? Um, I don't know. Well, I've, I've been working at the New York times for a few years, which has changed my, whole relationship to illustration i think in that Do you like, work as a as a designer oh interesting yeah and i then i art direct for them too now but like that when that took the like financial pressure off of being an illustrator i think that has like certainly affected my need to like be making stuff all the time in a way yeah 
Oh, so you have found some stability. You've kind of yeah, upgraded. Yeah. Huh. I had Which... no idea. <laughs> Discreetly. That's good. It's been cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm still sort of negotiating what it means for my work. Like, I don't, I don't really want to stop making stuff. Are you inherently fascinated by the news? Hmm. I think that was the hard part for me with editorials. Like, I, I'm not really interested in politics or news that much. And although I was uh, blessed to have a lot of jobs that were just like, oh, here's the weird narrative thing that's in this magazine. You get to draw it. Um, whenever it was about, like, the news, I was just like, ah, this doesn't resonate with uh, my personality very much. And that's like 90% of editorial, I feel. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm like fa specifically fascinated by yeah. the news, but I think also a lot of the time my work would be chosen for something lighter or. Um, yes. Yeah. That's a good way to talk about your work. Yeah. So that, that was never something that was bumming me out, bumming me out about it. And then if I had to do something like political, I would be happy to like try. Yeah. 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 No, I'm always sussing out. Like, I don't know how to word it. You know, the way I, I always think about it is in high school, you see pretty quickly where, where all these like dice rolls align for people in terms of like, almost like an RPG, like, uh, <laughs> like, like, Oh, this person hit puberty at the right time. And, and right. they love sports and, and oh, suddenly in the social hierarchy, they're like, at the top where maybe like two years ago they weren't those like realities I think are realer than I thought. Um, cause high school never ends, I believe, unfortunately, but it's interesting to me. There's like this term that, you know, there's always these terms, the Iki guy, you ever hear this Japanese term? That's probably not really a Japanese term. Oh no, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's so useful. Like I don't really think following your dreams is great advice, but this is, um, this kind of like Venn diagram and there's four things you have to fulfill. Um, what you love to do, what you're good at doing, what society needs and what you can make money doing. And I'm always thinking about that when discussing someone's career, um, because I feel like it's such good advice. Um, and when someone really loves doing something and they're not good at it, that's kind of heartbreaking. But yeah. for me, the, the thing I totally ignored was how to make money uh, when I was making comics. And that was cool, too. But <laughs> what, what, what could you have known making comics? I mean, oh, that's a, and I, I don't know. Like what I've seen from people is, that, especially in modern societies, like there are comic artists who worked really hard and and you know whatever they worked on they they made a career of it um and that's very impressive but sometimes your interests just don't align with what the market could commodify i think do you think yeah i'm trying to think of like who who has done that that has like maintained fierce individuality or like <laughs> you know like with someone well, that's, like that's Klaus or like adrian yeah Delmina. i think they're like exactly. selling themselves. What you say is, is very true. Like 
compromise and the sacrifice of idiosyncratic parts of your personality, I think defines adulthood. Um, and I also think it defines meeting the market. And it was something I was so uncomfortable with in college because I don't think I was ready. But by that, I mean, you know, like say you have a kid and you have this quirk about your personality um, that is very unique and it kind of makes some aspect of you radiate. It might be true that you have to give that up as a kind of beautiful sacrifice. I know that sounds antithetical to like <laughs> being an it's antithetical to being an artist because every artist likes to think of themselves as a cult of personality where where they themselves is attractive, I think. But that's why I think it's hard to mature as an artist because I look at my parents and I'm like, oh, they had to make sacrifices. Maybe they love doing this thing on Thursday nights. Uh, but, you know, then they had five kids and it's like, okay, I have to think bigger here. It's not about me. It's about this familial unit. Um, all that to say, like, I think the same thing applies for career. You know, maybe you like drawing some really repulsive, revolting imagery naturally, but uh, there's an opportunity as an editorial illustrator where it's unacceptable. Yeah, I guess those people need to, like, invent garbage pail kids and mad magazine and stuff yeah yeah you can thread the needle and that that's always the most interesting but garbage bill kids is a great in, uh, instance because that is art spiegelman uh <laughs> or he was involved with that and uh you know I, i'm thinking of a funny example on the opposite where like um this japanese artist maruo if i'm pronouncing that right uh makes like really graphic like tentacle porn and he <laughs> I saw an interview with him where he's like, I started looking around at illustrators in Japan and the people who had the longest careers were actually people who drew stuff like that. And oh, to wow. me, that was it's completely so contrived. <laughs> well, that's, and it's funny because you look at his persona and like, he's, I don't know. He just seems like this really innocent, not perverse dude, but <laughs> the market called for this stuff. Yeah. And he still has that career. And, uh, <laughs> It's it was shocking because I just I guess there are illustrators that like on the side draw porn, but I don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's this like huge uh, Japan has like a very different relationship with that stuff. Yeah. That was a ram that was a ramble, but I <laughs> I mostly I think we're talking about like compromise. Yeah, and then I guess there are some people who like it feels less of it doesn't feel like such a sacrifice for them to do maybe commercial work or like corporate work or, or something. And that's another. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And like, maybe they just came from a place where they, maybe they're just more mature. Like I'm open to that idea that, um, as the last of five children, like I have a certain psychology and a need to express a certain individualism, but mm. you know, maybe other people have, they're in a completely different situation. They need to make a career and it's a necessity, you know, in a much more urgent way. And, uh, they don't have time to, to play these games. They have to make a living. You think birth order is, is very significant. I'm the youngest as well. Well, there's five of, of us, uh, boys and, um, 
normally I don't like those kind of deterministic things. Like I'm not really that fond of, oh, this is your sign and that's why you behave this way. Um, yeah. Or this is when you were born or because it feels, I guess it feels a little limiting, but I think there's something to be said for the, the last child feels less burden, I think, mm-hmm. from the parents. Um, and honestly, like my parents were so busy with four kids that understandably, they probably had less time to like helicopter. Thank God. I think that's a great <laughs> thing. And, but what it, I think what it means is like, you're more prone to just be like, whatever the hell you want to be. Right. And the first child, I think, is much more aware of what the parents' expectations are. Yeah. I don't know if that rings true for you, but... Uh, Definitely, I do, like... Yeah, even as simple as, like, my parents were done doing home videos by the time I came around. <laughs> like, they just sort of get... Or, like, you know, the discipline around, like um drinking in high school or something it's just sort of like exhausted by the time it's your turn 100 percent. and and your siblings are acting as parents so it's like this kind of well-oiled machine but mm. like the values are just being passed down through these these siblings but that is i've always found that interesting and, and maybe that's something too like when you are the youngest you are literally just seen less in photos especially with elders um, <laughs> you're just like not present in a lot of photos obviously percentage wise if you're the last one like you might be in 20 percent of the photos and that uh urge to be seen as an artist or a comedian or musician etc is really um is interesting to me mm-hmm. especially if you're an introvert but like you need to be seen it's kind of a strange dynamic. I don't know if that makes sense. From. I don't know where it comes from, but I think it can be acknowledged that if it's present, you have to do your best to just like make make the best of that urge. Yeah. Because like, you know, maybe your illustrations make people happy. Hopefully. I don't know if even if that's your goal, but like... Obviously, you're seeking to communicate something. The music yeah. is, um, I wouldn't call it happy. That would be diminishing it somewhat. It's romantic. Is that fair? Yeah. Sometimes I want it to be happy. Are you a romantic? I don't, I don't know what that word means. I also don't. <laughs> and I wonder That's if fair. Know, it's completely fair. That brings up another one. Spiritual. What does that word mean to you? <sighs> well, let's... It's a fair attack because I've used it on the podcast. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. Um, well, I think as with anything of this magnitude, one has to tread somewhat carefully, but <laughs> I'm not really prone to tread that carefully. Spiritual, you know what I would think in the simplistic sense is it's it's religion divorced from institutions. So it's the belief that your spirit or soul has one-to-one contact with God. Because usually people, when they say spiritual, is like they have their own practice. And when someone says they're religious, they're part of a community and an institutional, mm-hmm. you know, structure. Right. Now, the only problem with that is like, 
do we are we really so innocent that we can keep ourselves in check i i struggle with this because i'm pretty suspicious of institutions um but i'm also suspicious of myself in the sense of like if i make my own moral code it's probably not going to be a good one because <laughs> you can just bend it whenever you want to bend it yeah uh, no accountability there yeah and even if you make a remix of like i like a little buddhism and i'm guilty i'm you know, talking to myself in some sense <laughs> i'm guilty of these things especially in the past like yeah like i like this reincarnation component of this eastern philosophy and i like uh, the concept of heaven but i don't really like hell like i've literally talked to people who are like this like i like heaven but i don't think hell exists like okay um that's psychologically really interesting because if you can do good you can surely do bad or wrong and i think it's really hard to keep yourself accountable even when we're talking about drawing or deadlines like usually i find you need to bring other people in right uh, or if you're like is this drawing good i used to be really like anti that and then i made friends with people i trusted <laughs> who are honest and great like artists sh showing your work to friends or getting their opinions uh, it's, it's like this bullshit purity complex that bad artists have where they think they were influenced by no one they don't want to get feedback from anyone they think they're like floating in this this void of originality and that to talk to someone about the drawing or in be influenced directly by something is somehow a bad thing Having claiming to have no influence is like so hilarious to me, and like it's yeah, it's so it's a red flag, egotistical <laughs> or something. Just made me think of like an article about red flags for bad artists, but that is number one. Like if you say, <laughs> so when I ran the gallery, I would entertain anyone. Anyone could bring me paintings. So I would have like suburban people who are just like working at the local stores bring me their paintings sometimes fully with the expectation that I would just say it's good. And, <laughs> and like, they were very, very bad. And almost always they would say they, cause I would be like, you need to know who you're indebted to. Uh, it's like who your ancestors are. Like if you're influenced by Picasso, um, overtly, then you should be respectful enough to say, Oh yeah, I love Picasso. And like, that's why this looks this way. But they would always say, I have no influence. Uh, I don't really look at art. <laughs> Things like this. I don't really look at art. It's like it's a so magical funny. thinking. Yeah, yeah. Who are your influences, actually? Artistically? Well, yeah, we know the Beatles. We know, we the, know Beatles, the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. And honestly, you, in some ways, you see the Beatles in the drawings. I think that's fair. Wow. Like, well, sometimes literally, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 right here uh quite lit i mean quite often uh you're yeah. not a, i mean the haircut on these people we got some i'm looking at your illustrations while i talk <laughs> but uh no there's like a pop sensibility that uh i think it's a obvious like a good union the beatles in, in illustration because you know obviously they're they kind of are the height of pop and sophistication Mm -hmm. Although I hesitate to say that as I learned, I don't know there's, there's you could also just say they like, uh, there's a high level pretension to certain eras of the Beatles where they like are learning about 
sitars and and all these things but i think it was an innocent exploration yeah, I think, yeah. you know i think they were coming to these things naively because they had no other choice and they were I just curious yeah. i feel like the, i feel like what makes that like uh what saves them from being pretentious where uh, certainly they are like capable of pretension but i feel like they have a genuine curiosity that comes through and like I agree. It and they represented a curiosity of the time. Like this was a yeah, time where people were learning about these things. And then like, they, there was also like a respect for their influences. Yeah. I think they did a good job of acknowledging that, that, uh, what would you call digestion? Right. You know, like this is where it's coming from. Ravi Shankar, etc. Like this is what we're doing. It's I think it's probably a relatable journey for a suburban person. Maybe that's what's appealing. Yeah. Their whole trajectory. But no, in terms of visual influence. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the early ones would have been like Dr. Seuss and I don't know, someone like Shel Silverstein, like mm. People who are like clearly fun and like peanuts. Peanuts. Charles Schultz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then later on, I think when I was out of college, I was looking a lot at like the indie comic scene. And I think very, very blatantly digesting like the Michael DeForge and Patrick Kyle and um people who were working mm -hmm. at that time yeah that scene has a huge influence on the best of editorial illustration i would say yeah it's it's pretty crazy one day they'll make a documentary yeah there, there must there will have to be one that was the beauty of just making comics at that time is is art directors just looked for you in that that area like i didn't i just had a mailing list from neve and i would like half-heartedly send giant spam messages to art directors and still made a decent go of it but it's just because like they they knew that that was where they should be mining from and obviously adventure time pulled from that yeah um it was, was like a farm one for me adventure time in what sense just like stylistic and this like i don't know what the word like the the community of people that they were pulling from were also like individual and and cool yeah yeah it's, and then a, the product it's, as a result felt so like uh you know that's the first time i could be like oh yeah i could tell that this episode was written by steve wolfhard or um whoever you know yeah, they did a great job of taking individuals and letting like, them be. Letting them be heard, letting them. Bottom up, for me, like that's the best way you get any result is bottom up. And that's why being a good art director is tricky because like you could be a tyrannical authoritarian or you could just simply choose the right person and let them flourish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like acknowledging that you're ideas aren't necessarily the best or that like 
there's room for other ideas besides your own. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what you see in your head isn't necessarily the best solution. Well, especially in a collaboration. For sure. Okay, so that makes sense. Those influences all yeah, make and, sense. And now, like, still, I'm looking at a lot of contemporary illustrators and artists, tattoo artists, and then, like, I don't know. Of course, there's, like, the art history stuff, too, which is deeply ingrained. Picassos and... Yes. Fauvists and whatnot. Do you have physical friends of this ilk? Um, fine artists? No, of like uh, cartoonists, illustrators. Like, do you hang out with uh, other artists? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I know I've, we've met once, right? You were at the, a, a show once. Yeah. I, I believe you were with your friends. Um, that was some time ago. But... Who are, who are, is your peer group? Um, I think it's a mix of people. So like I went to art school, so a lot of my friends are still people I went to school with from different um, departments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then like being in New York, there's so many, I've like met so many cartoonists and illustrators who are now friends. And that's still going strong, right? Yeah, I mean, it's changed, I think. And certainly, like, COVID was a funny thing where it was like, oh, like, all these people I'm used to seeing a couple times a year for the events we all go to, Mm -hmm. actually, I'm not seeing that much. (laughs) Right, right, right. There was no more organic kind of a meetup. You have to go out of your way if you really want to retain those friendships. Yeah. But no, that makes sense. Yeah. I think in the last few years I've met or like settled into some friendships uh, and, and some of them are cartoonists, which is fun. Yeah. I'd be, we don't have to talk about it now, but I'd be curious to know because I'm so out of the loop in respect to that whole scene. I feel that way too. Like I stopped tabling so much at, uh, comics fairs. Yeah. And well, like as a result, I'm just like not going because what well, Mocha is the only one in New York now. <laughs> oh, really? That's as all there I is. know. I mean, maybe there's tiny ones going on. And so what is, what's like the longest comic you've made? What's your relationship to comics? Uh, I made like a 36 page one. What's that called? It's called chicken boy. Oh, it's um, chicken boy. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Yeah, it's a funny little thing. And that was like a lot of work for me. And I like don't really know how I made that happen. <laughs> Except that like um, a friend of mine had a micro press and he asked me to. To make something. So I think that was the little bit of encouragement I needed. The accountability, the the urgency. Did you just try to make a page a day or how'd you go about that? Oh God, no. No, no structure like that. It was just that's, like, that's impressive then that you got through that. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't, I, it's weird hearing about, I think I'm like too distractible to, to do that kind of work. And I think that's why like comics isn't a good, like, Oh, couldn't be like the path that I commit myself to. It's just like every day I want to do something different. Yeah. Or animation. They're just so right. It's like demanding. What are your uh, primary distractions? Um, I love TV. TV. Yeah. I like, like the movies. medium. What do you <laughs> yeah. love? Because uh, like nowadays the, the line between um, TV and film is really murky. Yeah. There used to be like an aesthetic difference and a quality difference. But you like TV in the sense of you like the TV show format? Yeah, I think so. That it's like shorter. And I mean, uh, often there's, I think like comedies work in that format well and like serialized things. I like that. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's your go-to. Yeah. Distractions. I mean, I spend a lot of time on my phone, which is like deeply depressing. And then I'm always happy to draw or play music. What are you doing on the phone? Like a uh, social media? Yeah. I started playing chess too. Oh, that's cool. Which has been interesting. You should play Neve at a uh, digital chess. I'm sure he'd kick my butt. He might even kick your ass, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's quite into it. I love board games. I play every Thursday. But uh, for whatever reason, I just don't like the historical weight of chess yet. I think that's, when I'm old... That's the fascinating thing about it to me. Oh, totally. I mean, I get that you could read a, like books and books about like, this is how you open up. Or, I just like going in like just zero knowledge, learning a new game, and then yeah. figuring it out from there. But maybe I'm a coward, you know? Maybe... It definitely maybe like, I, doesn't suit my... like brain wiring i think i i think i similarly would rather be do something like intuitive and shoot from the hip yes 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 but i, I hate the idea that someone might have just like read I, I don't know the like i used to in my family you were never allowed to look up walkthroughs with video games <laughs> and something about it central.com yeah we're just completely disallowed <laughs> completely not allowed to look up cheat codes or, uh, or walkthroughs, especially, um, this was like a shameful thing. You had to rely on passed down knowledge. Like for, for NES Zelda, I relied on like, you know, my brother struggling to learn how to beat the game and passing that down to me. Wow. This was allowed, but, um, earned inherited knowledge. Yeah. In some sense unearned, I suppose, but you know, there was a kind of, price to pay but uh all that to say it's just like the weight the weight of chess or go like go i don't know if you ever tried to play go but it's incredibly you might say it's intuitive but boy is it hard to intuit Hmm. i haven't played it it's very 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 old i think it's older than chess but i would recommend actually checking that out it's just black and white dots like no differentiation in the piece no hierarchy 
I think for me, chess is cool from like the weird narrative potentials. Yeah, very interesting. The aesthetic of it is like really interesting. I'd like to I'd like to design a chess set. You know, like this. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd love to see that. Oh, what games do you play then? Like uh, the I'm just gonna uh, resource say, you know, management type games. What is that? Like Catan? Yeah, yeah. Gateway drug with Catan in high school, and then played it <laughs> played it so much senior year that like we were losing friends because we were it was just too intense. Wow, it's like four times after you know senior year is like a joke because you get into college. But then uh, once you go through that, you open up this Pandora's box of like this crazy innovative alternative board game world. So uh, I run a group and people bring games. So I'm learning a new game like every week. Wow. Um, and if I say them, there's just like thousands of good games that they're, they're just it's really going to mean nothing. <laughs> Although I definitely encourage like I want to see more illustrators do designs for them because there's kind of like this aesthetic associated with it that's not the most interesting yeah i mean i've played some of those games i think i've, I've actually never played Catan somehow but yeah ones, it's fine. other you ones like play. uh terra mystica or macau see like i've never even played them but you never like played those no no and i'm sure they're great they're Catan ish interesting you know, I like games where there's like interfere more interference and and uh Catan is too peaceful in some ways. Mm. Almost want like a like I like games where you can help people or completely fuck them over. Right, right, and, right. Uh, I've always I want to feel like I'm like I just stopped playing video games at a certain age. Um I'll play Rocket League with my good friends sometimes, but I need that social component to make it feel like it's worth my time. Cause probably because I do so much work, um, on the computer. Yeah. I stopped too. I don't, I don't really remember like how that happened. Cause I played well, a lot you, in high school. I'm assuming you like just the finish of the illustrations is quite digital often. Is that a, are you drawing in the computer or are you bringing drawings into it? Uh, at this point now, like if I'm doing a a job, I'll do the whole thing on my iPad. Really? iPad? Procreate? Yeah. What What is the appeal of Procreate o over uh, Photoshop? Uh, it's free or it's oh. cheap. <laughs> and is yeah. it the simplicity too? Well, like I happen to not need a lot, like a heavy duty program to do what I do. Mm -hmm. And so like I have a few brushes and I have my multiply layer and that's, that's kind of it. Got to have the multiply layer. Yeah. It but, changed my, changed my whole life. Yeah. Crucial. I was like, what the hell? I, I learned it in college. I, was, I had no idea. Clipping masks. I don't use them. Useful. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? <laughs> I've spent, like two decades uh, using Photoshop and I don't use clipping masks. I think for me, I still, I just, it's just like screen printing logic. I have a line and then I have the multiply layers and anything outside of that. I still haven't really explored. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think I've always been afraid of things looking too digital, mm -hmm. but uh, 
you got to embrace that at a certain point. Like that's what, if that's what you're using, that's what you're using. Yeah. I remember feeling that way in college, but I feel like now it's like, there's so much context for that. It's like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't like shudder at things that look now. I feel like the real crime is like something digital. That's trying not to look like, or trying to explicitly look analog. I agree, but I struggle with that too. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that like you kind of, that you have to own the honesty of what's being done there. I think so. I think it's felt like as a viewer, and not yeah. that there's not like room for whatever, like those Rizo texture brushes or something I think are useful and cool, but. Well, yeah, on, on your website, I'm looking at the presses, uh, 2015 and it's a very different texture. It's very well, real. I don't know what you're looking at. Well, it's understandable. It's like seven years ago. It's red and it's red and blue. And it was, uh, art directed by Sujin. But it has like a very, very printed feel to it that I still think is really quite beautiful. It's shameful for me to mention something that old, but it's on the website. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just take your word for it. Oh, you got to update this website. 2019 copyright. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the Rizzo thing has been pretty interesting <laughs> to watch. In what's it's now like everywhere. It's like, is it flourishing still? I think it's just like a part of the fabric now and it's ubiquitous. And like whether or not you have access to a machine, the aesthetic impact is like deeply ingrained now. And in, yeah, in you're right. It, it was, um, there was this huge novelty to it early on where people didn't even know what you were talking about. Yeah. And that's all. Yeah. It's, 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 that's what getting old is like, I suppose. <laughs> it's still cool, but maybe that's what getting old is like too. Yeah. Where you're just like, Oh no, it's, I'm going to be like 60 and be like, that's cool. It's still cool. It looks and there's going to be like cyborgs making AI art illustrations and, I'll still be like, that's really cool. That texture. I Does that scare you? Does that scare you? Um, AI getting old AI. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is scarier getting older AI. Uh, yeah. Maybe the AI will keep us from getting old somehow. Um, I don't feel like threatened by it maybe, or like that doesn't feel like a looming thing impending i really think it is uh, uh my friend has been sending me like he's really digging into it like these ai generated prompts and apparently this is like one artist that is consistently being like the the most prompted thing wow. and he's and he's very not happy obviously yeah uh, i've never even heard of him gret Greg Rutkowski and that he does like fantasy art. Yeah. Is that like a magic cards? Um, yeah, type? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just wondering if there's going to be a point where they just put in like your name, you know, it's like, 
I need a COVID illustration on a subway, Vinny Newberg. And like, I don't even know what that means. Like, does your career end? Can you <laughs> sue someone? Not yet. Yeah, I mean, my thinking is editorial is going to be really threatened I, by all yeah. this. I mean, it just means that the people who are in the position to hire need to be really diligent about it, I think. Hiring the robots? Or or the humans. <laughs> well, you're in a good position. You're the art director. You can just... You can just art direct the prompts at that point. Yeah. I just think what ha- is going to happen is like editorial is the is the step, the first step into illustration. At least that's kind of how it was pitched to us in our school. Like, you know, you're going to start an editorial and maybe you'll go other places. Maybe you won't. But I wonder if because of the quick turnaround and the cost, if they're just going to create like really good AI prompts and feed them like literally the article in some way yeah i mean it's conceivable totally i just (laughs) i think what's going to happen is like obviously you'll have to adapt but let's say that that end let's let's go apocalyptic editorial illustration ends right yeah where would your skill sets where would you find yourself you think I think I'm just then like painting it. I've been, I've been making paper mache the last few years. I really like that. Really? Yeah. What do you, you're making, I don't know what you mean by painting and paper mache. You're making physical. Yeah. Like physical things. I make like little sculptures or like paintings. Where can I see those? Um, Are they hidden? Just on my Instagram. Mm-mm-mm. That sounds interesting. Yeah, that's been fun. And I think, you know, since my work is always so digital, it's nice to be like, I, I prefer to sketch on in a book, and it's nice to work with physical media as a relief. Mm, I see. Yeah, I like the texture. So, are you getting that texture with paper mache? Uh, I don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> I'm just looking at some, uh, oh no, you must just be painting it on thick, right? I'm looking at a, a little man and the profile painting. The paintings, if they're flat, they're just paint. Yeah, I'd like to see, I'm trying to find examples of the paper mache. Uh, I mean, obviously here you are as, as a... You're a Humpty Dumpty. That's clear. Yeah, yeah, that's paper. <laughs> yeah, that's that's getting in there. That's interesting. So if illustration falls away, then yeah, I'll just the art will be just for me, I guess, or like not commercial in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's honestly the response when I ask people if they had infinite money, would they still be doing? you know, illustration or commercial work, they almost always say no. Um, but I also, I wonder if they're just forgetting what it's like to just be alone and and not have like the the kind of wonderful pressures of working on a real job. Yeah. I mean, 
I still think there will be a need for like artistic community and like um Ag- agreed I, I hope place, places to like display and view work my um, hope my hope and dream is with deep fake technology and just like the complete unreliability of anything that's online that that people will just be like how can i trust anything if it can be ai generated right and we'll all right it's time to just like go back outside and <laughs> physically like meet up that's my hope and dream that's my hope to be some dream. sort of like response like that if it's like i mean as it becomes more hope. ubiquitous it's like the natural response would to be like seek out authenticity and like our um author like authentic authorship and like uh a hand <laughs> the feeling of the hand yeah like a verifiable reality i think i don't know if you've ever seen existence by cronenberg no but uh it's insane it's very crazy but there's like kind of these realists versus the the uh virtual reality people it's from the 90s i think that's going to happen there's going to be like a fork in the road and some people are going to choose to just go deep into the metaverse and the ai world and then there's going to be like a granola return to the earth <laughs> realist warrior thing you know like yeah that's gonna be so weird so weird i think and then there'll just be artists somewhere in in between I'm curious Caught in the middle. It's so interesting cuz like how long how long can the AI like sustain itself after a point? You'll need I don't know, maybe this is just like narrow-minded. <laughs> to me it feels like artists like propel this whole like this thing. You're 100% right. It's only using what humans have made yeah what i don't understand is like in in i'll hear you in the instance of this dude greg rutkowski who's clearly against ai generated images um because the algorithm is like mainly working off of his work for some reason um like i just don't understand if the copyright infringement component at all well it's not been established yet yeah but i can't even imagine it being established yeah because like let's say i wanted to copy you but i didn't use you specifically right you can plug in for other people yeah 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 and like kind of get back to it Mm. that's really interesting it's um something i've been thinking about i think i've been trying not to think about it i think that's smart um because ultimately, we don't know what the hell is going to happen, but I do. I does uh, just like repeatedly feel like this tech world like has no understanding or regard for artistry, and like yeah. it moves so quickly that we like don't have time to sort of yeah uh, I, show like show them. <laughs> there's no poetry in the equation. There's no messiness. There's no, I don't know. It, it's, um, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. 
like uh i'm against art as an instrument you know art as a you know some people think like oh i'll use art as an instrument to express my political views or or to sell something obviously all commercial work has this component but in general especially fine art i don't believe should be subject to like it's like it's servant to some other uh, end hmm. and i feel like the tech world only can see art in that sense <laughs> yeah how does I mean, it serve this ultimate goal you know yeah it's just like totally removes the like well yeah it's nothing about like the process of art making or like the meaning of that oh you mean the, the importance of the the human process yeah like why like why anyone would do that you know it's very i think they've identified some like problem that can be solved and then or some like way market that, market yeah, need yeah. or something yeah it's not even know if it's a problem it's just right like, uh, i don't think we had a shortage of artists the real thing is like now you just don't need to pay any artists that's what's fucking crazy to me is like that wouldn't i wouldn't be talking about this if i if i wasn't impressed by the ai images too like oh I've yeah seen, they're interesting yeah yeah they have a soulless quality but um they are you know when we were speaking about what matters and what doesn't in the toward towards the end product of the illustration it's like i don't know if people who aren't artists will even notice that yeah i mean it's really hard to say <clears throat> totally. some people are so illiterate to that sort of thing and i get that you know it's not their well it's fine until those those are the people whose job it is to mm -hmm. like <laughs> true very true make those decisions which yeah, certainly I, there yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant the viewer, but now I think I know what you mean. No, no, like yeah, the, the art architects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, art yeah. directors. True, true. I always used to say art directors are mostly failed illustrators, but that's a little harsh. Yeah, I think a lot. <laughs> I feel like most of them come from the design world. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think in my head that was my how I was viewing my own uh, trajectory. Yeah. But I'm more, I'm actually like very, very interested in design. Uh, I don't see how they're separable. And my favorite artists are always like in the middle between design and art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still, I like, don't really feel like a designer all the time or like I have a pretty limited skill set. I think now. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't study like the, you know, the serif curves on, fonts and things yeah um but obviously you have that interest in text and imagery coming together for this sure yeah this desire for total control that i liked about illustration where it's like uh, i used to play around like book cover design and in college and i was like always just wanted total control in terms of like how that text is going to meet that image mm -hmm. and uh comics obviously allows for that a lot of illustration has opened up to that as well and I like the way you play with that. You know, there's a good amount of variation in how you bring that text in. Thanks. Yeah, I like words for sure.
Yeah, words are great. They're fun. Do you have a joke for me? Um, this always God. always gets. There's one, but it's too awful. <laughs> but I think it's funny, and I will tell it to you. Thank you. Um, let me just make sure I have it right. You you double checking it? Uh, no, just in my head. Oh, okay, sure. What's the difference between me and cancer? Okay, you? Yeah. You, Vinny. I don't think I got it. I don't have it. My dad didn't beat cancer. Oh, boy. Terrible joke. I heard that on a podcast. I think it's multi-layered darkness. I think it's like pretty expertly crafted. It is. I'm still processing it. (laughs) Um, It's so weird because let's say someone hypothetically wanted to be offended by that joke. It's only, (laughs) you know, in this, in this narrative world it's, it's creating, it's like, it's, it's only dark towards the person who's telling it. Well, there's some like, uh, Making levity about sure, sure, but I mean, yeah, yeah, or like domestic abuse. But I'm imagining, I'm imagining the the joke as like a story and like the person telling it as a character, and this person was also beat as a child, and their father died from cancer. If I understand the joke right, right, and that's that's what makes it so weird to respond to. It's bizarre, yeah. It's yeah, so it, dark, and yeah. Well, I like I like it. I, I it's not what I was expecting. Well, you know, it's not it's not a joke I've invented or anything. Of course, I mean most people don't invent jokes. I've I've come across a few who do, and I think it's great. But I like it in contrast to the lightness of, of everything else. <laughs> the music, the art. It's just something about that joke to me is like very memorable as well. It's like, it's really succinct. It's yeah, you're right. It's, it's expertly crafted in a bow tight. And I've never heard it. Yeah. Well, sorry. Sorry to you and everyone for. No, no, no. I asked, I asked for it. I asked for it. Well, good talking to you. That's how I like to end it on that darker note you don't have a joke then no i try i don't i don't tell my jokes on the on the i'm I'm just collecting it collecting the archiving i think jokes are important especially in relationship to like i don't know there's so much there's mythology music like there's a comic aspect um there's like that kind of thing an illustrator does anyway where it's like trying to distill down information to this like really precise logic that I love yeah. about jokes. They've kind of disappeared in a way, I feel. That's that's exactly right. Like it's more like memes now are jokes. Oh, that's that's a good point. Visual jokes. Huh. Didn't think about that, but you're right in the in the succinctness. They they feel so memes are kind of like more inside jokery though i like yeah 
I like the accessibility of of older jokes. Although that's not to say I've been told some jokes that are so specific about like the certain <laughs> denominations of like Christianity that I don't even understand them. But um but like the one you just told, like that's very accessible. Right. Yeah. And and I I appreciate that. All right, cool. Well, thanks. Yeah, good talking to you. Likewise. Thank you for listening. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Ming Jia Chin. Next up, we have Derek Braxton. <laughs> <laughs>